And then you followed Darwinism back to England and from the elite of England. And you realized it was simply two heads of the same coin, the capitalism and communism. Uh, communism it was an, another method of trying out a policy on uh, uh, a very good population, a population that would be brought up to be, to be obedient to this new communist system, thinking that we're all working together for themselves, for each other. And for a long time that was the case in the communist system. There's the capitalist one that they made you chase after carrots and tell you you'd actually catch it one day. We're back with more after these messages. Masonry, really, 
not low masonry, they, they know very little at the bottom. But higher masonry is really based on a form of Hinduism, including the whole theory of evolution and transmigration of souls, etc. But, but including the physical as well. Hinduism goes into the primordial slime, and that comes this little being, the amoeba, and it eventually goes into something else and something else and something else until you get these strutting peacocks that are all dressed up called aristocratic humans. And that's what it was based on. And early on, too, I realized there were big players on the British side of this uh, that, that uh, as the Indians say, white man speaks with forked tongue, because people like Bertrand Russell and others they were talking about uh, averting nuclear disaster, and he was put in charge of the Committee of 100, which is the most radical anti-nuclear movement out there. It was his group that stormed a lot of the U.S. military bases in Britain and other countries. And I thought, why is an aristocrat like him? He was Lord Bertrand Russell leading this charge. Uh, it just didn't make any sense. And I got into his books and I realized that the more expensive ones, which they did have at some of the better libraries, some of them were 500 pounds. You couldn't afford to buy those, and that's why they're so expensive. They don't want the common folk reading them. And this man really was, it was all for population reduction of the unfit, which is the masses. The very people he was mobilizing to supposedly fight this, this nuclear threat. He was a complete uh, elitist. And he did believe in eugenics. They all believed in eugenics. Tremendous, tremendous um, eugenicists, all of them. And not just him, but many others. Uh, Frank, um, I think it was, um, was it Gornstein? Gornstein, can't quite remember the guy's name. He also came out with books on population control and worked to the United Nations. And you started to get the idea they really did want to cull off the population, bring them down by any means possible. And they, they generally did sort of get their way because they talked about reducing the population and the family. They had to start with the family. The family was the problem. They mentioned that they'd have to get zero population rate to feel safer at the top. That's basically what they were saying, safer at the top. Because which really meant that if two people got married, then they should only have two children maximum and no more, preferably less. And uh, I think this particular character, Notestein it was, N-O-T-E-S-T-E-I-N, Frank Notestein, he died in 1983. And this is uh, from Old Thinker News, December the 19th, 2007. Frank Notstein was one of the most influential population control activists and demographers of the 20th century. His work led to the establishment of demography as an academic discipline. He worked as the first director of the population division of the United Nations. You know those guys that have a nice clean image, supposedly. Was instrumental in the founding of John D. Rockefeller's Population Control Council in 1952. Now remember, Mr. Rockefeller's uh, had already he'd already set up the uh, Eugenics Society, the American Eugenics Society, many many years before that, and they brought in the mandatory sterilization of what they called the unfit or mentally feeble. 
So this guy worked for the Population Council in 52 and was Director of Population Research at Princeton University. Once again, the big universities, the ones, the Ivy League types, where they turn out more guys just like Mr. Nordstein himself. In a paper written by Nordstein in 1969 titled The Problem of Population Control, he outlined a strategy of quickening the pace of depopulation. Nordstein admits that economic modernization would bring the birth rate down automatically. However, he goes on to say, state that more drastic measures must be taken because, in his opinion, this method would not be fast enough. Coercion and the institution of a totalitarian regime are Nordstein's solutions. He says this in his own book, the need for an early reduction of the birth rate is acute. Birth rates in the past have fallen most rapidly in the context of modernization and social economic change. But there is nothing in the European experience to suggest that we must rely solely on gradual and automatic changes in society. One often meets the glib generalization, particularly in the underdeveloped countries, that it's only necessary to concentrate on social and economic modernization, so it is well known that we can rely on these processes to bring the birth rate down automatically. The argument neglects the time span required for such an adjustment. Even if we could be assured of rapid social and economic development, the lag in transition between reduction of death rates and reduction of birth rates poses enormous problems of population growth. This is all the stuff that goes back to Thomas Malthus, remember, another top economist who worked for the British Crown and the East India Company that was owned by the Crown. Nordstein continues, even if successful, voluntary family planning programs cannot be expected to resolve the world population dilemma. Even in the more developed countries, and notably in the United States, surveys show couples desiring more children that are necessary for replacement. See, they've already decided how many you should have. Thus, we cannot rely on the self-interested, self-interested choices of individual couples to meet society's needs. So they decide what society is and, and how many they want. But you can't do it yourself. You don't have the capacity, mental capacity to be uh, adult enough to choose. The only acceptable goal is zero rate of growth because any rate of growth continued long enough leads to astronomical figures. Given existing preferences and family size, governments must go beyond voluntary family planning. Governments must go beyond voluntary family planning. That's for the hard of thinking. To achieve zero rate of population growth, governments will have to do more than cajole. They will have to coerce. Economic forcing. The logical targets for legal and institutional pressures is the family pressures to postpone marriages, economic pressures and inducements for married women to work outside the home, provision of free abortions for all women requesting them, downgrading of familial roles as a destruction of male-female roles in comparison with extra-familial roles, and restriction of housing and consumer goods make it harder to get homes and rent and so on and afford the stuff that you need for a family and children. Such institutional changes uh, supply motivation for family limitation and the provision of free abortions affords the means. So he was looking at the Soviet, because that's, that's what they used in the Soviet system, was just free abortion, didn't bother with the, any other type of birth control. 
implications of such major institutional changes go far beyond population control. The family, now this is very important here, people don't really think when they read, the family is the basic social unit of society and its major institution for the socialization of the children. The family, you see, is the major uh, institute of society and for the socialization of the children. You pass on your ideas to your children, you see. So he says, to impose more drastic changes on a large scale implies many risks in some destroying the family not least to the regime that undertakes them. The price for this type of population control may well be the institution of a totalitarian regime. Sound familiar? I'll be back with more after these messages. Well, that's why your brain's working. Yeah. 
Yeah. You'll be thinking for yourself. Yeah. 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 Any questions? Well, can you feel this? Well, you know what? I, I deal with a different uh, level, I think. Yeah. I'm in touch with something higher. Mm-hmm. And you know what I'm talking about. Because you yeah, can feel yeah. it. I'm sure yeah. you can. Yeah. Because no man can know these things and not feel what I feel. Yeah. And you are a real man. Well, thanks for saying so. <laughs> and uh, I'm black, though. Yeah. And, and people think all black people are the same. No, I see. I'm true. Yeah. And, and I'm sorry, sir. Yeah, once once you get to a certain understanding of things... I'm by myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have no black friends, no white ones either. Yeah, that, yeah I know. I know the feeling. Uh-huh. And, and, and it's, it's like... I mean, I got money. Yeah. I got gold. I got silver. Yeah. I got everything I need. Mm-hmm. But I did this because I never fell asleep. Yeah. And, and it's a lonely world. You're quite correct. That's the price you will pay for knowledge and understanding. Yeah. It is, That's sir. the price. You're right, sir. Yeah. I'm very lonely. I got well, everything I want. Yeah. But I'm a lonely man. Yeah. So is it worth it? I think it's worth it because, to be honest with you, sometimes when your mind goes into overdrive, which it will do, I'm sure you know what I mean. Yes, sir. It goes into overdrive, and your mind is racing in areas where the average person couldn't imagine even exist. Yes, that's true, sir. And you're on a roll, and you're you're you're, you're oh, much bigger than you normally are. You, it's hard to explain to other people, but. I like everything, everything in your, if you were actually wired up to uh, an EEG machine, your, your brain would be firing off in a thousand directions. Yes, sir. Yeah. And that's without drugs. <laughs> yes, sir, it is. Yeah. I'm trying to calm it down. I know, I know, yeah. And, yeah. and, and sir, you know, I'm all by myself out here. Yeah. But you know what I'm talking about. You feel me. I know exactly what you're talking about, yeah. Love you, sir. You hang in there. Bye-bye. Thanks for calling. Now we've got Daniel from California. Are you there, Daniel? Hello, I'm, Daniel? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Um, hey, uh, you know, a couple a couple uh, days ago they had that uh, prediction show on Coast to Coast. Uh-huh. And uh, it was pretty funny. A lot of these guys on there, you know, giving their predictions for the new year. Uh-huh. Um, all of it, everybody's saying it came to them in a dream. It's almost like Nori set them up, because, uh-huh. or actually it was Art Bell, because Art Bell was on there saying, nope, no pros, I don't want no remote viewers, I don't want none of the, no, uh, no psychics, I just want everybody to call in with predictions from their gut. Uh-huh. You know, did it come to you in a dream or, or whatnot? But you know what, he did, if I felt that he was setting everybody up for, uh, for uh, uh, I don't know, to, it, he was preconditioning them because everybody called in, everybody kept saying, you know, Oh, this is this is gotten a dream. It just came to me. Just yeah, me. I know. I, I you understand that most people are suggestible, <laughs> and at night time, that's why they put the news on late at night and shows like that, because you're already in a hypnotic state. Yeah, they also it, it was it was incredible. You want, do you want me to hold? Yeah, hold on. We'll be back after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. 
Because you can handle the truth. Commonly used by the public, whether it's food or, or drinks, 
you beware of them. And I tried some of this instant coffee recently. I used to be able to drink instant coffee till midnight. Oh. And I'm telling you, you are your your mind is is racing all night long with the weirdest dreams you've ever experienced. Yeah, it's the most bizarre dreams. And I so I tell I told everybody else before. Some people phone me up and talk about these nightmares they have, and I'll, I'll ask them right away. Do you drink coffee these days? Yeah, I do. I'll just stop the coffee, and sure enough, the dreams stop. You know, it, it's just pretty scary because you know a lot of these. Uh, you know how people are so suggestible that you know I, I'm a true believer in that character is faith. Yeah. You know, that what you have inside of you, if you do not solve it, it will manifest itself outside of you. So if you believe in the demons yeah. and and the, 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 the boogeyman, they, mm-hmm. they'll eventually come. Yeah, you I know. know. And, uh, you know, to see people do that um, on that show was just... It's, it's, it's rather sad. It let me down because this show is supposed to be... You know, sometimes, don't get me wrong, you know, they got people on there speaking to Satan and all, but there is some good psychology on those shows. And, you know, things like that that I just pay attention to that kind of just let me down. I'm just like, man, people... We're there's an old saying, there's an old saying that people should really heed this saying very well. Remember, they always put good stuff out there too to hook you on the show. Yep. But the danger comes from the stuff they're also hooking you into. Oh, yeah, the, and it's intentional. Yeah, the, the, the toxicity that seeps through. And it's an old saying that says, fool me once, shame on you. Fool yeah. me twice, shame on me. Oh, definitely. Definitely. That's why, you know, when I listen to these shows, I... I uh, I always it's like people don't have cognitive dissonance anymore, you know. No, no. Well, they have the, the dissonance, all right. They, they're they're totally confused and they're so suggestible. Uh, unfortunately, remember what Bertrand Russell says: the time will come when anybody uh, will be able to to make everyone else believe anything at all, yeah. uh, giving ga- adequate government help and aid and power behind them, etc. And, and that's uh, these are all sciences now. It's quite quite easy to do, yeah. Yeah, um, on your, I have one last question about your books. Do you go into a lot of ancient old history about uh, the Bible? Because that stuff interests me. And I, and I oh, it's in there. You have to get them and read them because I go through the more esoteric explanations than anyone else. They've all copied it since, but they still get it wrong here and there. Okay. Well, but, um, well I just yeah, I go into that. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, thanks, Alan, once again for all your information. And uh, hopefully I'll get one of your books here pretty soon. Sure enough. All right. Take it easy. Bye now. Bye. I've got Jeff from Texas. Are you there, Jeff? Hello? I have a comment. Hi, Alan. I have a comment and a question. Mm -hmm. I'm new to your material, and I've been trying to catch up by listening to your your archive interviews. And I really appreciate your efforts to expose the history of the, the New World Order over the last thousand years, but it seems that when it comes to the subject of classical or ancient history, uh-huh. um, your claims get really outrageous, and I was shocked to hear on your George Norrie Coast to Coast interview that you claim that Jesus never existed and that the 12 tribes... Well, you see, I'm not going into a biblical discussion or debate with people's beliefs here, okay? No, I'm talking number, about... Number one, number one. You know yourself, there's been many, many people before sun gods who die for the world that sun does every day. You know the mother is always a virgin. You know all this stuff. I don't have to explain this to you. No, I'm talking about the primary historical record. I'm I'm not going to go into it to what a belief is about. It's a belief system. That's why it's called a belief system. It's not fact. It's a belief system, which is based on faith, right? It's based beliefs, based Am I, am I cut off here? No, not yet. <laughs> okay. 
So I'm not going to go into a, a debate yeah, no, upon no, no. Your, your, yeah, about your talk. belief system. Yeah, can I, can I talk? Can I say something? Oh, go ahead, yeah. Yeah, I'm talking about the actual annals of Rome. I'm talking about the writings of Tacitus. Uh -huh. I'm talking about people like Lucian of Samosata. I'm talking about uh, uh, Eusebius. And I'm yeah, but we also about... know that a lot of that stuff was redoctored many centuries later. No, the annals of... And that's, an, that's another thing, you see. Uh, they doctored them all, too, in the Vatican. We know that. No, the annals of Tacitus were not doctored by the Vatican. Neither but the thing is, what you're, what you're trying to get at is to justify what you believe in. And that's where religion belongs. It's what you want to believe. And, and people, and there's enough evidence pro and con to keep the battle going on forever. That's why it boils down to faith for the individual no, believer. Do you have specific yeah. proof that the... Okay, we'll go on to the next one because this is going to be an argument. I know it. Yeah. So, hello, uh, who wanted now? Okay, Rick from California. You there, Rick? Oh, hi, Alan. This is Rick. Yeah. It, yes, um, this is in response to an earlier show you did this week. Um, yeah. This is about the checkmate. Um, I've gotten involved in it. Into uh -huh. into. I've called up some uh, a congresswoman, and um, I wrote some letters. And uh, apparently, Arnold Schwarzenegger is being funded by Sutera, and the, the company Sutera um, sent a threatening letter to indie media saying. Um, you're, you're uh, publishing our proprietary secret information, our trade secrets. Their letters sent a threatening. Oh. So this, this is. Um, can I? I just want to read you this real quick. This is a, this is a, a piece. This is what I wrote to Sutera. Yeah. It's, it goes. Um, I don't work for indie media, but I read indie media. Yeah. So, so your chemicals can be used to spray over our cities, affecting us. But we're not allowed to view your copyrighted proprietary chemical compositions, huh? As far as I'm concerned, you forfeited that right as soon as citizens in Santa Cruz were forced to breathe your toxins. We have the right to know what you're putting into our lungs. I live in Southern California, which is the USDA is going to spray with checkmates sooner or later. You're damn sure that when me or my family get sick from this checkmate stuff, I'm going to hate have every chemical and checkmate analyzed because when checkmate comes to my town, I'm going to post every ingredient everywhere. I'm going to paste the entire breakdown on walls and bus stops everywhere. I'm going to shout it from the rooftops. We, the people, are not going to take this anymore. And their response was was the, was a polite, "Oh, we are very busy. We're processing your request. We will get to you." <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, isn't democracy wonderful? Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. So, I just wanted to share with you that that you motivated me um, to to speak out and do what I can. And you mentioned. You mentioned um, that just speaking to the right people who matter. Who are the who are who are the right people who matter in this case? Would it be the congressman, the governor, or would it be certain organizations? Um, well, definitely. I mean, where where are all these these uh, health fanatical organizations? Where are they when you need them? Yeah. You know, it's like it's like the anti-war movement. Where are where are they when you need them? Yeah, the ACLU won't touch it. The Sierra Club won't touch it. Yeah, where's the big religions when you need them? Why aren't they marching in the streets? Right, right. Why aren't they even talking about it? They're still debating if Jesus existed. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. You know, that's not the yeah. Everybody's debating about putting things. I saw somebody somebody put a bumper sticker in their car that said "Rapture ready." This vehicle may soon become unmanned. Well, there you go. Right <laughs> and they've got insurance policies out for some of them. It was on the television a few years ago, where yeah. they're actually selling insurance policies in case your husband gets whipped off to heaven and you're left behind with the children. Yeah. Oh, you know. I know one only in America. Yeah. 
I have, I have a, I used to go in the church I used to belong to, and I'm not a Christian anymore. I mean, I'm more into the esoteric, but, but a lot, back in the early 90s when I was younger and less and more ignorant, I belonged to this church, and I, I, I found out this name of this person who, uh, this person who I used to know, who used to be my friend in that church. He's very, very hardcore Christian. Well, I uh-huh. looked him up, and I, and I found out that he's working for General Atomics. He's building the unmanned aerial drones that bomb people in Africa. Oh, you, you find a, a lot of these. I don't understand how they can combine. Well, actually, I do. But these characters can combine any agenda with their religion. Yeah. Uh, with no, normally psychopathic, too. There's a lot of psychopaths up in religion there, too, you know. Yeah, this guy was a, just an engineer, and he was just a normal guy. And, and people say, well, how could these people are too inbred. They're too dumb to rule the world because they're too inbred. How, and I said, because they hire people like G. Like you, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. um, thank you very much. I just wanted to put that out there. You know. Thanks for calling. You're welcome. All right. Now we've got uh, Alex in New York. Are you there, Alex? Hello, Alex. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. Hey, how you doing? I was wondering if I could get your opinion on a person named Michael Tessarian. I don't generally give opinions about people. I could certainly give you a lot of data, <laughs> but I okay. won't. I but mean, I won't. Anything you could say. I mean, but um, I won't. <laughs> you you won't you won't say anything about it? No, I, I leave people to be bemused by their own inclinations. Okay, well, it's just because um, I'm on the internet and I'm talking to other young people, and a lot of young people are really Falling caught through. up. Yeah. They're, they're caught up in this sort of uh, thing that this guy is selling them. Uh-huh. That's kind of this new age kind of a belief. Yeah. And so a lot of them don't even care about, you know, the war going on or the chemtrails or anything because they kind of uh-huh. believe in this new age thing that's going to come along and wake everyone up. I know, up and, and I keep telling today. people all they really have to know is that the, <clears throat> the CIA and MI6 have been behind the whole new age movement for the last, you know, 70 years at least from Britain's side anyway. And then when the CIA was started up, they, 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 led the, they led and helped fund the whole New Age movement for the U.S. Yeah. yeah. Um, but for, for the rest of the inter- these other characters that are put out there, I just call the Pied Pipers. And I, I could say an awful lot more, but I really, I really shouldn't, so I'll just let that part go. <laughs> can, can you say anything about, I don't know, a cult leader and a cult following, and I don't know these these people who believe in what he's saying. They they have a really hard time letting go. Oh, of course, it, it's it's designed actually to hit that particular age group. This is designed, it's scientifically designed, uh, to get into their minds, to grab their imaginations, and to create a sort of pantheistic, nature-based society. Don't forget what Gorbachev said. He said he said that in his own book, Towards a New Civilization. He says, I'm an atheist, and then he later on he tells you in the same book, he says, we are creating a new religion for the people, and it will be based on a form of earth worship. So it all ties together with the whole agenda, the depopulation, save Mother Earth, uh, call, call back powers to help you. We're all one in this great big collective um, where, where the unconscious mind, the great world unconscious mind that's made up of all of us is running the world and all that kind of stuff. And uh, and it's very appealing to the youth. It's designed for them, in fact. Yeah, and then you add, you add to it a, a form of uh, you add to it fatalism. It's in the stars, or it's, it's it's predicted. It's a prophecy, or whatever. And they go along with it, thinking it's all quite natural. 
Yeah, I'm I'm seeing it everywhere. This this new religion that everyone is buying into. It is really scary to see how well it's working and how yeah. how it's just everywhere. Every yeah, well, well they started it very late. They, they, they started that way back in the in the late 1800s to get the the big ball rolling up to where it is today. It took a long time, and it's well funded. It's well funded. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks for calling in. I've got Robert from Arkansas. Are you there, Robert? Oh, Mr. Watt. Hello. Uh, early in the show, you mentioned Charles Darwin and survival of the fittest. Yeah. And I remember that Charles Darwin had ten children. That's right. And they weren't very fit at all. No, they were not, because they'd all been, uh, I mean, he was at least the third or maybe in fourth generation Darwin who intermarried with the Wedgwood families. Yeah, they all kept marrying the same family. And his own children, he uh, had ten of them. I think eight died very early on. Well, I have birth. a list here of them. Yeah. Uh, a daughter died after birth. Yeah. A daughter died at... I know, but we can't, we can't go through them all because okay. of time. But so his last one, I think, ended up in an insane asylum. And then when his wife died, who was a Wedgwood, he married his mother's sister. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. I was thinking, you know, if Darwin wanted the fittest children, maybe he should have married a strong black woman. Oh, definitely, definitely, and it made probably a lot happier too, a lot happier as well. But yeah, he only married into the Wedgwood because this was selective planned breeding, and you'll find that goes way back through the many centuries with these particular groups of people. Uh, that there's nothing odd about that at all with them, and yeah, their idea the was even even if you get one such one who lived, then then he would have the perfect traits. So as long as you got one out of ten, they were doing pretty good. So all of those folks who believe in uh, intermarriage among small groups really should think about expanding their horizons. That's right. I'll be back with more after these messages. for when they're going to use them for other purposes. 
uh, Chile and those, and those countries are going to be the breadbasket of a good part of the world. India is going to be another one. The north of India is, is, isn't a bad place to go, northern India. Really? Yeah. So, so the whole Americas is pretty much... Uh Locked down and, and controlled by the Illuminati. Yeah, I, I've been saying for years is that, it, that when America fulfilled its destiny, they used to call it the manifest destiny, and that's what it was a Masonic term, and what they meant was to bring a, a federated world into existence. When it was finishing it off, they'd pull the rug from underneath it and bring them down to the same level that they'd created for everyone else across the world, and that's happening right now. Really? Now, is there a timeline that you foresee, uh, like, really close? Well, we know the unification of America is that it goes back to the free trade negotiation in the, in the 80s. They talked about the amalgamation being complete uh, to start in earnest in 2005, which it was on the CBC. That's when they signed their first major agreement openly to the public and at Waco, Texas. And they're signing one every year now up until 2010. That's to be the complete unification for the Americas. Then we're on a roll for massive change. Do you see them uh, doing the, you know, the plague scenario? Is it a good excuse to just lock our doors down? And oh yeah, I'm pretty certain. I mean, every paper you pick up, they've got these experts again, all saying it's inevitable, it's inevitable, and it's the greatest way to control populations and either make them move or keep them where they are, depending on where they where they, what they say. Um, pandemics are fantastic because they can spring it up every two or three years in different areas and have safe areas that sometimes that then then, then uh, infected areas and and actually move populate. They want to get everybody on the move because this is the age of chaos where they bring out a completely new society at the end of it. Engage the herding instinct. Yeah. So people will lose their minds, right? That's right. Just follow the leader. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate you taking my call. Thanks for calling. Uh, now you got Vince from Canada. Are you there, Vince? Hello? Hello. Yeah. Hi, it's Vince. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I got your DVD, and uh, I want to let the listeners know that uh, you have really great products, and they're very informative, and anyone listening should uh, at least pick up some of them. That way they can better inform themselves and uh, contribute to uh, your great information. Yeah, I forgot to plug myself. I never do plug myself, and thanks for doing it, because uh, that's what keeps me going. Well, you can also play, pay by PayPal now. You can do Alan Watt cutting through at yahoo.com. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for calling. Bye. Well, from Hamish and myself, from up here in Canada... It's good night, and may your God or your gods go with you.